0: Dynasty Theory is now a proud member of the DLF family of podcasts and we cannot be more excited. Tune in each and every week when we provide actionable advice to help you navigate through the crazy world of Dynasty Fantasy Football. We're always diving into quickly changing values, market inefficiencies, and opportunities to help you build those dynasties. Make sure you
1: also check out the show on Twitter and Instagram at Dynasty Theory FF. Enjoy!
0: Welcome to the DLF Dynasty Podcast with your host, Dan Myler, Ryan McDowell, and Matt Price. Yeah, we are the DLF Dynasty Podcast, Dan, Matt, and Ryan. Episode 559 of the show. I guess it's uh, it's free agency week, guys. There's Free agency is kicking off this week. Probably by the time y'all are listening to this. Uh, free agents are already signing, or at least it's been leaked that they will sign. Uh, we're not going to do a lot of talking about any of that because it hasn't happened for us. We're recording on Sunday night. Um, we did do a live show talking about uh, free agency, kind of giving a preview. So if you're catching this early in the week uh, and want to hear our thoughts on any of the upcoming free agency, go find that. It's actually over on YouTube. You can find it over there uh, and listen in and, and get all our thoughts there. We're, uh, we're sticking to the rookies here on the podcast, though. But before we get to any of that conversation, we got to talk to our guys, Ryan and Matt. Matt, you ready for free agency to kick off?
1: I'm so ready, man. As much as I love rookie season, uh, you know, free agency is one of the best times of the year. We get to see these players that we already know are good and are, are great NFL assets, you know, where they're going to land, the new teams, how they're going to fit with those teams. Uh, it's just so much fun speculating. Uh, we did, uh, I don't know if I'm, I'm, I'm uh, spoiling anything here, Ryan, but you invited me to do this little free agency mock draft that we did with some other DLF writers. Uh, that was a, a lot of fun. So uh, I'm ready to, to talk about these guys uh, on the live show coming up.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's uh it's it's going to be a good time. Um and really just fun for dynasty managers because there's so much to react to, Ryan. We're going to we're going to get a chance to uh see these new landing spots and not only with with free agency, but also trading that's happening across the league and that's that certainly has been heating up already and is sure to continue on.
2: Yeah, for sure. Some some big names potentially on the move. And I mean, really, the reason we love free agency, we love trades, we love the draft is because it impacts player value. And it uh, not just the, the players, um, you know, they're potentially changing teams, being drafted, et cetera. But it's that ripple uh, impact of so many other players from the teams they're leaving and the, their new team. So it just changes so much in the dynasty landscape and uh, makes this time of year pretty fun.
0: Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna keep this show to rookies, as I said. But we are gonna start with that with that big trade that happened this past week. Next week, we'll react to all the free agency stuff that's really dynasty relevant. That'll be a part of next week's podcast. But first, uh, we got to get to we got Dynasty Doppelganger on the show. We're gonna do our sleeper stash of the week, of course, uh, and we got more rookies to cover in the rookie report. So let's get right to it. the startup yeah startup this week has to be the big trade that went down over the weekend uh or I, I guess late last week it was actually the panthers get the number one pick in the nfl draft and there's so many things to talk about here so many like layers of the onion i guess to un, unpeel uh and let's start on the bear side it really feels guys like they they swung for the they got their the big package that they wanted and they couldn't, they kind of hinted toward, towards it over the last couple of weeks. They might pull the trigger early if somebody wows them. Somebody gives them the offer they're looking for. They end up getting not only the draft picks, the ninth pick in the draft, uh, a second rounder, which is actually the, the pick that Carolina got from San Francisco in the CMC trade. So a late second this year, a first next year, and a second the following year, plus DJ Moore. <laughs> So, you know, we got to start this thing off with the number one pick. That, that's really where everything, all the intrigue is. I know the DJ Moore part of things. That's exciting. Um, the Panthers still have some draft picks. We, we got to talk about all that stuff. But it really starts with the one-on-one, Matt. That, that pick changes hands. It goes to a team that needs the number one pick. Who's going number one, Matt? Who's, who's going to be the number one pick in the NFL draft?
1: I haven't checked the odds today, but the last time I checked, it was C.J. Stroud as the favorite. Uh, we saw uh, another another person in our friend in our industry, John Norris uh, from Underdog, kind of do an interview. Uh, uh, with Josh McCown, their new quarterback coach, and he was just kind of fawning over CJ Stroud. So that seems like the favorite yeah. to me. It feels like the safest pick. You know, it seems like a pick that this franchise, who has been searching for a quarterback ever since the the basically ever since the 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 prime years of Cam Newton, right? So this is not one they want to blow. So I really think it's going to be Stroud. Uh, you know, just just for that safety that they're gonna they're gonna get from that pick over the other two. Uh, shooting for not necessarily shooting for the floor. That's maybe not fair to say, but, uh, you know, less of a risk I would say than both Bryce Young for the size for Anthony Richardson for the development uh, angle. So I I really think it's Stroud.
0: Brian, it's going to be a quarterback. We know that you don't give up all this huge load of draft picks plus DJ Moore. And go a different direction. So that's clear. What about the landing spot itself? How good a landing spot is that for one of these quarterbacks, no matter if it's Stroud or one of the other two?
2: Well, it doesn't look very good right now, for sure. I mean, you, you think about this team. Uh, It'd look past... a lot
0: better if they had an ace receiver like DJ Moore.
2: Huh? Yeah, or, or the best running back in the game. Those, those two would help. Uh, you know, they've traded right. Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore within the past uh six or six or eight months or so and uh now they're left with, with almost nothing. Um they do have plenty of cap space, which is a good thing. Um and we'll we'll talk about free agents here on, on the next couple of episodes, but uh both the running backs and, and wide receiver free agent market is not looking great either. So uh this team is gonna have a lot of questions. Uh whether it's Stroud, I, I do think it'll be Stroud. I agree with Matt uh, or or Richardson or you know maybe maybe Bryce Young I guess is certainly still in the running as well. Um, it it's gonna be a it's gonna be a tough early road for that young quarterback. And the and the thing about it is they give up those
0: two premium picks the ninth pick in this year's draft of course to move up plus the their first round pick which we expect to be a pretty high pick a year from mm-hmm. now and then give up two seconds on top. I know Matt that they have a couple of early seconds here in the next two years. Um most likely they they have that 39th overall pick this year. They have the 93rd overall pick that's from San Francisco, so a late third as well this uh this this year probably have an early second next year, but they've they've bare bones these these skill positions. They don't have premium draft picks to add help for CJ Stroud or one of these other quarterbacks. The landing spot does not feel all that good, and it makes you feel that maybe they get they might have given up too much to move up to number one.
1: In some ways, it does feel that, like that from a from a, a team perspective, team building perspective, because they need to. you're going to need to surround this guy with talent. They don't want to go down the road of some of these other young quarterbacks that have not uh, gotten that treatment. You know, in, including Justin Fields on the other side of this deal until right now with, with DJ Moore really. Right. So it's going to be d- difficult. I do think that 39th overall pick could be a, a pretty solid wide receiver for them. Maybe not necessarily uh, what you would think of as a prototypical NFL wide receiver one at that point. Um, but, you know, an, a nice piece you know at one point, we really like terrace marshall it's, it's, can he come back from the dead and w- with a real quarterback and and kind of live up to the the um projections that we had on him before his his rookie season. So it's going to be rough for sure, uh, but I, I kind of I've, I kind of like the move for. I mean, obviously, I like the move for them. You got to be aggressive. You haven't been able to fix quarterback yeah. through free agency. Uh, you missed out on drafting Justin Fields already, right? So you can't miss again. So it's going to be tough year one, but I, I suspect he will get surrounded by talent.
0: Yeah, it's, it's going to take. It's going to take some work. This front office is going to, they, they, like I said, they bare bones, this thing. They, they just don't have a lot of skill position talent. That offensive line has needs already beforehand. So, and that, that defense, while it is improving, there are some holes over there as well. From the bears perspective, Ryan, that's where things get really interesting because they were at this point a year ago, it feels like, or, or maybe over the last couple of years where they're, they're, trading off all their talent their veterans they're yeah. they're now try, in the in the process of trying to build around Justin Fields and adding DJ Moore is huge but the these draft picks that they added that's going to help this whole team right they they got three premium picks i would say that that uh that that ninth pick is still a very good pick they're going to get a uh, blue chip type prospect with that pick this year, right. that late second's going to help them out. They still have their <laughs> early second as well. They get a first next year, a second the year after that. There's a lot of people out there that said, maybe they should try to move back to two or four uh, with one of these other teams, then do this pick with the Panthers to move down to nine. I kind of think that maybe they end up with a better package if they, if they're able to pull off two trades, but they did it all in one and added DJ Moore as well. DJ Moore's dynasty value, it, you have to feel like it went up with this deal, right?
2: Oh, I, I don't know. I don't know if it did or not. Um, I mean, I I do think it was obviously a great move for the Bears. Um, yes, I, I would have liked a move to two or four, and then another move down. But after the way the the quarterbacks worked out in Indy and and some of the um, you know the gap in in value potential value narrowed there in that group. Uh, I, I think they were eager to get a deal done. Maybe, maybe teams were happy to sit at four or happy to sit, uh, you know, maybe even at six and and see what fell to them. So Carolina was really the one that had to be aggressive at nine, and and that's you know that's why a deal got done. Um, but from a Bears standpoint, from a DJ Moore standpoint, I'm not sure his his value r- increases here. I mean, the Bears threw the fewest passes in the league last year by by a pretty significant margin. Um, going from Carolina to, to Chicago now playing with Claypool and Mooney and Cole Komet, I mean, there's actually more competition for targets in Chicago than there was in Carolina. Uh, I, I don't, I, I think he's, he's probably just holding steady. I don't love it for DJ Moore's dynasty value. Hmm.
0: I actually, I got to disagree. I, I, he's finally got a quarterback that I feel like can deliver him the football and has a little bit of upside, I love the idea of those second chance opportunities with DJ Moore because of, because of his separation skills uh, early in the route. And then also that, that like savvy that he has late in the route when the quarterback's outside the pocket to uncover late and, and potentially get the ball on a second opportunity from Justin Fields, who, who's going to move around quite a bit. So um we got to get to Justin Fields and his value. Matt, break the tie here. Do you think it's a lateral move for DJ Moore or does he take a take an uptick in dynasty value?
1: I think it's like like sideways up. I mean, I I I see where Ryan okay. is coming from Thanks like, for breaking
0: it, the tie, bud. I think
1: it's I, I'll break the <laughs> tie. I'm, that with, up. I'm I'm with you, Dan. It's you know, it's like, you know, it's like you know, not like a straight up arrow, but it's a it's a it's a nice slow gradual increase. I would say I've. Moved well, he's down
0: been to- spinning his wheels in Carolina yeah. for so long; it feels like DJ Moore. Any kind of change of scenery, even if you do see it as a lateral move, that feels like something that at least sparks a little bit of life into him as a dynasty asset. Long term, the Bears are they have to be on the upswing with all these no. draft picks. They have yeah. to get better, right? And they have the young quarterback that gives me. Hope. And maybe maybe I'm I'm painting a brighter picture than it should be because it is painted with a, a hope filled paintbrush, right? Uh, and that's what we've had for for more for too long. I, I feel good about the shares that I have uh, better now than I did just a couple days ago.
1: I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I do. I just don't think it's like a, like, I don't think it's like a significant move. You know, I think it's a, it's a, it's a okay. good move. And in terms of the like weapons surrounding him, I still think he's by far the best target there. I agree that he has more competition, but I think he's going to come and take the largest share. I've moved him to wide receiver 17 uh, range, kind of just that mid wide receiver two uh, kind of range. And I feel like that's, that's pretty fair right around Michael Pittman, Devonte Smith, Chris Godwin, those kind of players, Jerry Judy, a little bit around that area too. So I feel like that's a good range.
2: Yeah, you're you're actually a little higher on him than uh than the consensus. ADP, and, and of course this data came pre-trade, but uh ADP, he was wide receiver 21, 39 overall. Our DLF rankings have him at wide receiver twenty-three, forty-seven overall. And and you kind of hit on it. Even if he, even if it is a lateral move and he can continue to produce like he has, that's not a bad thing. No. I mean, you look at his his past four seasons: wide receiver sixteen, wide receiver twenty five, wide receiver seventeen, and wide receiver twenty five again. He's one of five wide receivers to be in the uh, to be a top twenty five scorer for four straight years. That's Adams, Diggs, Lockett, and Evans. So that's good company. Um, certainly, it's a, it's a quarterback upgrade, even with the questions about Fields. Um, just the ability to extend plays, extend drives. And, uh, uh, hopefully get some more opportunity for, uh, for DJ Moore and the rest of the offense is, is a good thing. So, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think we're on, on opposite ends of this conversation necessarily. And
0: DJ Moore, still a young receiver going to turn 26 in April, certainly a guy that you can build around. He's going to get that, you know, that second contract now that, that keeps him with Chicago keeps him hopefully with the same play caller in the same offense um for for quite a while I, I I think we can all agree that that at least the quarterback there in Chicago he's he's a guy that that takes an uptick right we're, we're excited about his upside he has an alpha receiver now and maybe we can we can look at him as more of a of a distributor I don't is that is that too much to say um, rather than just a just an athletic guy that's going to run around a lot more, Matt is. Are, are we gonna? Are we gonna see him throw the ball a little bit more moving forward?
1: <laughs> I think. I think we absolutely will. We've always kind of thought Mooney was better as a two uh, than he would would was as a one. We have Claypool there who has been obviously disappointing at pretty much every step of the way, but he certainly profiles better as a three than he does a two. And you have a good, hey, uh, a he, good, a good young team. I had player. that one four touchdown game. That's don't the one, that. that's the one that that's the reason why he's still <laughs> relevant in fantasy. Like at all. Right. Is that, is that we remember <laughs> that one that good four, game. Didn't he have like two, wasn't worth two of those like rushing touchdowns too or something? So, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I think so. I think getting him that, that's significant. And I don't, I don't think they're going to do it probably. I, I mean, almost certainly not going to do it, but it would be fun to see them go ahead and grab, uh, like JSN at nine too, especially if they were to take, mm, oh. um, uh, to, to kind of add so. that to the, to the, to the, I know you hate it, but you know, uh, f- add, add to that weapon, get Claypool out of there, make him the slot receiver and let's go.
0: I kind of feel like the bears are going to, they're in a good spot at nine now to take the best player available, regardless of position, try to get an impact player, whether that be an offense defense if it's a guy who is a skill position maybe that's the way they go but most likely we're gonna see a big guy go to the bears at nine overall somebody on in the front seven on defense uh potentially a corner or, or db of some kind they got needs there or an offensive lineman i could certainly see him going that way as well uh if we beat this one to death, we, we got this all covered. We should we move on or anything to add?
1: <laughs> do you want Do you want any uh, trades? Any recent trades for DJ Moore? I got some. of Yeah, those let's hear away. it. Uh, all right. So I, this, did this happen on Friday or Saturday? I think it was Friday, right? Friday. Uh, so, it was Friday. so yesterday after the trades, we have, we have a couple in here. D, this one, I would send away DJ Moore in a heartbeat, DJ Moore and 2.07 for Chris Olave. Oh yes. Yeah. We're oh. doing, we're getting rid of him for that. Olave. Right. Uh, we have oh DJ gosh. Moore, the 110, the 202, and the 210, uh, and a super flex for Kyler Murray. Yeah,
2: feels about I, feels about I, right. I get it.
1: Yeah. Um, and then uh, I guess the last one here, DJ Moore in the 206 for Eclair. I guess that depends on which which way your roster is going for that one. But uh, yeah, yeah. But you know, some decent trades out there. So I don't know if you want to go speculating. I think it's you could get some fair prices either in either direction for him right now.
0: Sleeper Stash of the Week. It is time for the Sleeper Stash of the Week, where we take a look at a player outside our top 200 in ADP that we think uh, should make their way on your roster. And this week I had the Sleeper Stash of the Week. I called out Cade Otten, the, uh, I guess, formerly rookie tight end of the Buccaneers. Had a nice season, 42 catches, 391 yards, and a couple of touchdowns in 16 games. Uh, Of course, last week, the Buccaneers, they cut Cameron Brake, his primary competition at tight end. It looks like Otten's going to be the guy down there in Tampa Bay, whether it be a veteran quarterback or Kyle Trask under center for the Bucs next year. Feels like Kate Otten is going to get targeted relatively regularly. Um, Could potentially be a fringe tight end one even. And he's all the way down there in our rankings right now. Um, all the way down there in ADP and, and past 200, just co cleft the sixth rounder last year that is left on the roster really at the tight end position. Um, he caught seven passes last year, so the depth chart is void. Sure, they might add a veteran, they may even draft a guy in the mid to late rounds, but it's not going to be anybody that that should be able to uh push. Kate Otten, out of that starting lineup. I I like Kate Otten to be a sleeper, really. And that's why he fits in as our sleeper stash of the week. Of course, that's brought to you by Sleeper Fantasy, the fastest growing fantasy football platform in the world. Download their app, join a new Dynasty League, or migrate yours to their platform and enjoy how easy they make it to manage all your leagues in one place. Dynasty Doppelganger. Yeah, this is a always a fun segment, guys. We compare one player to another based on ADP or ranking. This time we're gonna we're gonna play Dynasty Doppelganger, comparing rookies to veterans. And this is brand new ADP that Ryan is in the process of collecting. It's about to hit the site, I think, Ryan. Uh, so March single quarterback startup ADP. We kept, uh, kept these guys close, very close, in fact, and it starts right off the bat with a big-name running back, Jameer Gibbs, whose ADP is 38.8, and veteran Najee Harris, 39.8. So these guys are back-to-back in ADP, Ryan, and it's, it's pretty clear to me which way I want to go. I, I'm interested to see which way you guys are going pre-NFL draft.
2: I feel like I feel like this has been a uh an anti Naje Harris podcast for a while now so mm-hmm. I'm going to keep that I'm going to keep that streak going. Uh I would prefer Gibbs here Gibbs is uh just slightly ahead in ADP. They are back to back. Um Yeah, even even without knowing landing spots, I just feel like Gibbs has has more upside. Obviously, we're looking for those running backs who can catch passes. We don't think uh, Najee harris is going to do that pittsburgh kept their oc from last year uh, matt canada i believe is his name that was a little bit of a surprise and and maybe a disappointment if you're invested in those steelers players uh, i'm i'm rolling gibbs here
1: slam dunk slam dunk or, yeah slam dunk for for gibbs i think harris we were all pretty down on last season with that i think it was a at one point he was a kind of a late first round startup pick and we were all way way out at that point Um, I've got him and the, I think I believe, I believe in the fourth round now in my rankings towards the forty 50th pick somewhere around there. So I'm even below, uh, this ADP. Uh, so yeah, this is easily Gibbs in my opinion.
0: Yeah. Gibbs there there's, there's the unknown with the rookie. Of course, you, you don't know where he's going to land. You don't know exactly what kind of role he's going to fall into, but Gibbs is, is seen by most in the dynasty community. I would say, and correct me if I'm wrong, guys, as like dripping with upside type like we want him in an offense that's going to get him in space and use him 15 to 18 times a game as a as a big play threat and that 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 just isn't the case with Najee Harris anymore when we look at Harris we see that plotter kind of between the tackles and and sure he's a he's a guy you want to put in your starting lineup every single week but that that unlimited upside that it feels like Gibbs has right now m- makes him like you said there, Matt, a slam dunk. Let's move on to the second one and we'll go to the wide receiver position. This one's a lot of fun and you're going to get this one first, Matt. It's Jordan Addison ADP of 45.8 versus Packers rookie or now second year wide receiver, Christian Watson, 46. So just 0.2 in ADP separating these two guys the unknown with Addison or most likely Jordan Love with Christian Watson next year?
1: Yeah, I didn't know if I'd really be saying this, but I'm gonna go with Watson here. I just think the ceiling is okay. a lot higher. Like I, I think I think Addison's floor is certainly uh, higher from a volume standpoint, but Watson's got that big playability. Uh, the size the speed combination all that stuff I, i'm certainly skeptical with love uh, but also we have no idea where addison's going right so it could be certainly be i can i guess you can see situations where where addison could live, land in a worse spot so i'll take the the, the veteran in this spot
2: <laughs> these two uh <clears throat> these two could end up being teammates as well that's true so that would be yeah, I like that them. would be fun. but be something. Uh, yeah, yeah i'm i'm with you matt i want christian watson here he's uh slightly behind in our adp data, but um I, I prefer his upside, what we saw in flashes last season as a rookie was uh was definitely intriguing from a fantasy and dynasty standpoint. You know, I I don't think we can necessarily make the unknown argument as as a negative for Addison because there's a lot of unknown for Christian Watson right now. You guys have already mentioned Jordan Love's name. We obviously know what's happening there with the quarterback situation. Uh, we still need to see Watson stay healthy. That's still a concern for me. But ultimately, I think his upside is higher than Jordan Addison. So I'm I'm going Watson.
0: Yeah, it's a clean sweep. I'm going Watson as well. It wasn't just flashes. You know, that's the word you chose to use there, Ryan. There was a stretch last season where he was he was in the top three or four wide receivers. He had a wide receiver three finish, followed followed uh in the next three weeks by wide receiver eight wide receiver 10 and wide receiver eight. I know a lot of you are probably saying, yeah, yeah, it's touchdown dependent. He did score seven touchdowns in that stretch, but he went over a hundred yards a couple times, had at least six targets in each game uh, and caught four. I believe it was in each game as well. So there was that stretch alone. Not a lot of rookie wide receivers have that kind of uh, upside or that kind of potential, to have those that kind of stretch in the season that that really carries a fantasy team, uh, that happened between week ten and thirteen last year, so he carried teams into the post season uh, in our fantasy game, and and you know that kind of upside just gets you, it makes you salivate about what could happen uh, if he could stretch that out over a whole season. You're right, Ryan. He had injury problems, missed lots of games, really, um, and was limited in big part for big parts of the season as well. So I'm, I'm excited about his upside. He seems like a more likely alpha wide receiver, more likely to be a true wide receiver one on an NFL team and maybe a wide receiver one in fantasy as well. So Watson, uh, Watson for me as well. Uh, let's move on to our third and final dynasty doppelganger comparing a rookie to a veteran in ADP. We're going to go across positions this time. Exact same ADP Jahan Dotson, the second year wide receiver His ADP is 68.3. Zach Charbonnet, the rookie, incoming rookie, 68.3 as well. Uh, We've been going back and forth, but I got to send this one to Matt as well. Uh, Zach Charbonnet, he's your guy. You've been speaking glowingly about him. You taking Dotson or the rookie running back?
1: This is by far the hardest one, I think. I I really like both of these guys. I think Dotson is... (laughs) Is is pretty undervalued right now in, in terms of ADP. He's I feel like he should be closer to uh, you know, the maybe even as close to close to Christian Watson, kind of close to Jameson Williams and uh Traylon Burks and those guys. And he's 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 below them. We have to remember this is a mid first round NFL pick. He came out of the gates hot with I believe, three touchdowns in his first two weeks and then got hurt. So uh they're presumably gonna have a better quarterback this year than than uh um the Taylor Heinekies of the world, and certainly Carson Wentz was, was was did not work out. You know, we say it's Sam Howe. We don't really know if that's the case or not. Um, but I really like Dotson. But I'm going to go with Charbonnet here. I, I just think he's going to be drafted in round two. I think he's going to be close in draft capital to to Jameer Gibbs. Uh, and he's a three down. He's a three down running back. And if you're drafting in that late first area. Uh, mid to late first area and you're you know right on the edge as a contender, adding that running back as a last piece. Um, I just think Charbonnet offers a, a complete package there uh, at a at a position with a little bit more scarcity. Um, but I like both of these players a lot. This is a tough decision.
2: Yeah. I thought this was the closest one as well. Um, these guys both six rounders and uh, makes you, makes you feel pretty good about that six round. If you're mm-hmm. in a, a startup draft, you know that's that's my favorite way to use ADP is is find those tiers as I'm preparing for a draft. Where do I want multiple picks? Whether I want to trade down into the sixth or or up into it, I, I want multiple picks here because I like both of these guys. I like some of the other players in this range as well. Um, it's close for me. I'm I'm going Dotson. I'm just I'm just siding with the wide receiver as I yeah. usually do here. But uh, no no issue with with uh, Charbonnet in this range.
0: Yeah, I think the unknown of Charbonnet gives me a little bit of pause in this case. We we talked about how that how that can make you feel real good about players like Gibbs, uh, who we talked about earlier. I, I'm not sure if that's that's how I feel about Charbonnet. And you know, his 40 time we talked about his 40 time. Maybe that was the thing that would would either bump him up or hold him back. And I believe it was four, five, five somewhere in there. Um, not certainly not going to hold him back. There's been plenty of. It looks like it's four point five three um, at the at the combine. That's not going to keep him from getting drafted in the second round or anything like that. If he runs a four 4-4 four or four four two or something like that, that adds to that value, right? That's something that you're, you're like, wow, that he's faster than we thought. He he might move up draft boards. I'm not convinced he's a second round pick, and and you know I like him as a pass catcher. We know what Jahan Dotson is. You mentioned his his stretch at the beginning of the season, those three touchdowns early, Matt, he had another stretch later in the season where he caught three touchdowns over three weeks, had a hundred yard game in there. And he was, he was a regular target. And they didn't have a real quarterback there in Washington. I'm not convinced they're going to have one in 2023 either, <laughs> but Jahan Dotson looks like the perfect compliment to Terry McLaurin. And if they, they're going to open up that offense at all. Of course, Eric Bieniemy now is there. I think the, the sky's the limit maybe for Jahan Dotson. You mentioned that he should be up with some of those other 2022 rookie wide receivers. I was going to say the same thing. He's undervalued right now. He's a guy I want on my team. We could easily see him putting up wide receiver two fantasy numbers next year consistently. And uh, I I don't know. I I really feel like uh, he's a guy that, that we should be, um, we should be looking at as a guy we want in our starting lineups every single week, starting in week one next season. So that is our Dynasty Doppelganger segment. Um, that ADP should be out shortly on DynastyLeagueFootball.com. March, single quarterback, startup ADP. Uh, be on the lookout for that. It's time for the Rookie Report. Yeah, another Rookie Report here on the DLF at Dynasty Podcast. Three fun, fun prospects to talk about. We got Devin Achain. Uh, Zay Flowers and tight end Luke Musgrave. But before we get to any of those guys, we got to talk a little bit about these rankings that we've been running through. Uh, We've covered 24 rookies, incoming rookies so far to date. Um, And the combine shook things up a little bit. Also news and the things that you hear, um, some mock drafts. You start seeing names mocked a little higher than you expected. Maybe that adds to the buzz we did some moving and shaking here, Ryan. And you and I talked about it quite a bit. Matt, you added your two cents as well. We, we moved a few things around, but nothing really at the top. Um, we had Bijan Robinson, C.J. Stroud, uh, Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, and JSN as our top three, or excuse me, our top five guys. Um, I don't think anything changed there. It feels like that—that's a solid top five of among the players we've uh, we've talked about to this point. After that, it was Jordan Addison, Quentin Johnston, and Will Levis, uh, followed by Zach Charbonnet and Marvin Mims to round out our top ten. Then things kind of shake up just a little bit. But before we get to that, Matt, is there any any moves that that you think maybe I, I would fight for this guy to be up a spot or two in that top ten, or or this guy shouldn't be quite that high? Is there Is there anything among that top 10 among the players we've talked about to this point that, that you think you need to make a case for?
1: Um, I'm not touching Will Levis anywhere at that, and that probably even in the first round, to be honest with you. And that might be come to, come to bite me. I just like the skill position players around that that range. (laughs) (laughs) I just like the skill positions around that range so much more than I do, uh, the quarterback, uh, and then the only other thing, I guess, and it's it's really just it doesn't really matter because I have them all in the same tier at this point. The three quarterbacks, I would have them ranked differently. I think at this point it's probably wrong. I know it's wrong. I know it's risky, but I'm just gonna gonna cover my eyes at the 102 and just click Anthony Richardson. I think I want that ceiling. Uh, I know it might, it might not get there for a year or two, but he's he's just a player I really want to have as part of my dynasty teams. And I guess uh, at that point, I'd be overpaying a little bit to do so. Um, but all three in the same tier
0: for sure, uh,
1: and I wouldn't wouldn't argue with any uh, order that anybody wants to put the three in.
0: Ryan, anything for you? You'd need to make a case for anybody?
2: Uh, no. No, I like it as it is. Uh, I do agree with Matt. The quarterbacks, the the three quarterbacks at the top, could be really ranked in almost any order right now, and it would be hard to argue that. Uh, I, I certainly get Richardson as high as two overall, um, but the way we have it, I, I think, is is you know reasonable at this point draft, draft capital is going to change all of yep. that in landing spot yep
0: do you think there's a case for stroud or one of these other quarterbacks to be one over bjom
2: i do yep, i do i do as well
0: yeah i think I'm, in fact i've been thinking about it a lot recently and and maybe the trade that the panthers made and the buzz that it's going to be stroud uh i've been i've been stroud as QB one in this class, the, for, for the long road, you know, I felt that way strongly the, the entire time going back even a whole year. Um, I think there's a pretty strong case to be made that maybe Stroud should go at the top of these super flex drafts rather than at number two, three, or four. After number 10, we have a lot of names that, and, and we haven't covered everybody. Of course we got Ty J Spears at 11, Rashi Rice at 12, followed by Sean Tucker. Darnell Washington was moved to our tight end one spot uh, over Dalton Kincaid, who comes in at 15. And then Michael Mayer at 16. Izzy Ebay Kanda, Tank Dell, Kayshawn Booty, uh, Chase Brown, Kenny McIntosh, Dante. We got, we got guys that, that probably don't belong in the conversation <laughs> conversation at this point. Uh, although, if there was a case to be made at number 23 right now, Mohamed Ibrahim. We have at 23, and I, I think that's unfair. We're going to be surprised on draft day. He's going to get drafted a little bit higher than a lot of us uh, expect. I, I think he's he's in the 30s for me. I have high 30s. I have him at 33 in my Superflex rankings. Uh, we have him at 23 already among 24 rookies that we've looked at. So that's an update to our rookies we've covered so far. Let's jump into three new names and start with a big name, really. A guy that we we all agreed, I think, last week. He moved up our rankings just a little bit following the combine, not just because of what he said or what he did on the field, but the combination of all those things. It's Devin chain from Texas A&M. Matt, he is a fun prospect to watch when you turn on the film. What What's the thing that you like most about his game?
1: I mean, it's just you have to go straight to the speed. The speed is incredible. Yep uh he has olympic level speed 43240 i remember watching it and daniel jeremiah saying you know i think he might have hit 429 on that uh so i think he has that legit uh, game breaking speed he he was also uh, uh ran in the 100 meter he ran a 1002 in the 100 meter uh he's he's just so fast and he he combines that with power and strength and contact balance he blasts through arm tech tackles he even has the leg drive to create extra yardage at the end of the plays Uh, so he's, he's just really impressive. Uh, the, the size thing, we're going to talk about the size thing. I'm sure when we get to the negatives, but he's for someone, his size, he's shown the ability to at least at the collegiate level to, to have a workhorse be able to have a kind of a workhorse kind of role uh, nearly averaged nearly 20 carries a game last season at 38 in that final game against LSU when he when he was playing a little bit hurt uh, it looked like to be honest with you so uh, I don't th- necessarily think the NFL is going to view him that way but I think he does have the ability to fill in as that, that three down back if a team wanted to try to take a chance on him that way.
0: Yeah, it's all about the speed when you turn on the film for A-Chain. He's man, like I said, fun to watch and a guy that kind of he gets he gets pinned into a corner as a small back and a guy that does, he, he I heard this term with him and I think it it really hits home with A-Chain more than maybe any other prospect. He transfers speed into power. Yeah. So, I think that that's maybe what you meant there, Matt. Between the tackles, he's not this little guy that needs to fold up, fold up and go down. His speed makes him hard to line up for linebackers and safeties coming into the box. And you see it over and over. He completely obliterates the angle from a safety coming down yeah. uh, to, to help out in, in run support. Uh, and you see it over and over on film. I think that's something that's going to transfer to the next level for a chain and, and be not just, not just that guy that has to work the perimeter and get outside. He can be a guy that, that slashes through the in through the interior of a defense and suddenly comes out the backside and he's a 60-yard touchdown. So um, y- you talked about the the size as a negative. 59185 isn't as small as maybe it was 10 years ago. We've seen plenty of of smaller running backs um be compliments. The question is, can he be that that guy that you depend on for 14, 15 carries in a game and then get him involved in the, as a pass catcher as well cuz cuz that can be a strength at the next level as well.
1: I think I think like 8 to 10 carries, 5 to 6 targets like would be fantastic for him. Uh I just there's there's one thing and it, and it's you know JJ Zachary, I don't know if you guys saw this. He put out Uh, A thing that says basically that all of all the running backs since 2011 that went to the combine or were drafted and weighed in at under 200 pounds, zero of them have had uh, a season of 100 or more carries or at least 15 points per game across their first three seasons in the NFL. Uh, The closest to his profile were guys like Andre Ellington and Tariq Cohen. So that's worrisome. But. I feel like he plays way bigger than those guys. If there's somebody that is going to break out of that mold, uh, we're going to need the draft capital behind it. I think to show that the uh, NFL team that does, you know, picks him is is going to think of him in that kind of role. So the size issue had me. I, I think I told you guys last week I had moved him up to running back three. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep him at four. I'm gonna keep him behind Charbonnet just because of that size. I think, um, but maybe I am paying too much attention to history, uh, and and he's gonna be that outlier that 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 makes it happen. I really do think he can. He's shown the ability to have a heavy workload, uh, and I hope it translates.
2: Well, I think it's you know. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I, I think he's really an interesting case for a lot of reasons, um, and and several things to respond to there, Dan. I, you mentioned the size. I think official combine measurements were 5'8", 188, so um, a little bit, you know, a little bit smaller than um, what he was listed at, at A&M, which is, which is common and, and not a surprise at all. You know, looking at all the post combine content and we put out a ton of it in in audio and video and, and written form and uh, all the sites did. There was disagreement on a chain, right? I mean, we talked about him last week. We all had him as, as kind of a winner or a riser post combine. I saw other lists, other sites, other folks that had him as a combine loser because of his size uh, and because of uh, some of the other testing and and measurements. So certainly some disagreement there, Matt, you mentioned the uh, the draft capital and ultimately where he's selected maybe more than any other player in this range of rookie drafts in that, in that potential first round a chain is, is draft capital and landing spot dependent on where we value him. I mean, I could, I could easily see right now his, his ADP, his rookie ADP is nine overall at DLF. I could easily see him falling to the late second round. If he falls to day three, or if he has a bad landing spot, I mean, um, this time a couple of years ago, Kenneth Gainwell was, was a first round dynasty rookie pick. Yeah. And uh, that's exactly what happened. He, he didn't get drafted as, as highly as we expected. And, and he lost a ton of value because of it. So I, I kind of am finding myself on the fence with a chain and really, really just waiting to see how, where a team values him and ultimately how a team is going to use him. But, you look at that ADP, I mean, he's going ahead of, um, you know, Jalen Hyatt, who's a possible first-round receiver, going ahead of uh, all those quarterbacks that we love, even in the one quarterback format. I'm, I'm starting to question that. So I don't know. I'm I'm kind of back and forth with, with Devon A-Chain. I wonder why
1: he didn't run the three cone. He has such incredible lateral quickness, too. You see him press the line and be able to snap back after those linebackers shift their momentum. Uh, and he looks like he would have just crushed that drill, uh, and it's unfortunate that he didn't didn't run it. Yeah,
0: I, yeah. you know, I I think I I wrote about a chain in um, the scouting combine review that I that I uh, put together last last week, and the the player I continue to think about when I watch him uh, in college uh, is DeAndre Swift. I feel like he can be do more with less. He can be that faster. That uh that explosive like an X factor type player. Like that guy that um can do can do things with 8, nine twelve touches that we we don't see people or players with 18 or 20 or 22 touches do. He was he was an explosive player in college, but I feel like he might take that up a step at the next level he might be i wish he would have caught more passes in college i wish i wish a would have used him as a as a as a big play playmaker as a receiver in college i i think i looked at his stats um from his junior season which was last year uh he caught 36 passes in in college in a 10 or 12 game season you think to yourself oh that doesn't sound too bad he was used that way but he only he only had 196 receiving yards. He caught three touchdowns. He wasn't asked to be um, that that option route type type pass catcher in that offense. And I wish he, he would have put more of that on film because I, I think we as fantasy players would see that translate into fantasy points just a little bit more and might value him. At, maybe I'm just giving him credit for that. And we haven't seen that quite enough in college. Do you see him at, as a dynamic pass catcher that guy that can be a weapon in that that part of his game or do you see him as that's a nice addition to his game I'm glad he has it but it's not going to put him over the top
1: you know I didn't see a ton of like out wide running route like like wide receiver routes kind of thing I think I know and he a, should have I think but but I think Ryan didn't you mean I think you mentioned that he was gonna work, I don't know if he did or not did he wor- run out or he's gonna work out with the wide receivers or something at the combine so I think he has it within his ability to do so he just whatever reason wasn't used that way. It certainly makes an, a, a fantastic dump off screen kind of bubble screen kind of option. And I think he can, you know, he can get up to speed so fast that they can pick up chunk yardage that way, but um, certainly did not see him run wide receiver style routes uh, on the film that I
0: watched.
2: Yeah. He did mention in his uh, interview session or media session that he was going to uh, do some, uh, run some wide receiver drills as part of his on-field uh, workout in Indy. I didn't see that. I I wasn't there for that portion and really didn't see that reported on or or covered at all. So I don't know if he did, but he told the media that uh, that he was going to. And I honestly, that was one of the most important things I I actually heard from one of the players at the combine. So I I think that that kind of goes to what Dan's talking about and um, could could potentially be a huge boost to his value. Either way, his draft
0: capital, like you said, Ryan, is going to speak volumes as far as his dynasty value is concerned. If he slips to round four, uh, we're going to be talking about him in a totally different light than what we expect him to be ranked right now. So let's, uh, if you had to put a number to it, we talked about the rankings that we were uh, we were adjusting there. Matt, where does he fit into these rankings?
1: He's gonna be four, I think, and in, in in the same tier with Charbonnet. I think you 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 pick your favorite between those two, at least for me. And I think I think the, the tiebreakers for me is gonna be the size. Um, but I I'm not sure I'm gonna I am i want to push him much, much farther down than than running back four. I'd rather have him than two. How about and among Spires. all the
0: all the look, look at our
1: th- rankings, Matt? Come on.
0: Rookies that <laughs> we have talked about so far.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. Among the ones that we talked about, I'm gonna slide him. I'm gonna slide him at uh, I'm gonna slide him at 11, right behind Marvin Mims and and Zach Charbonnet, just ahead of Tajay Spears.
0: Okay, I I think that's fair. I have him at 11 overall in my Superflex rankings right now, so one spot above Charbonnet. I think that's where I would like to see him. Uh, just a couple spots in front of Mims and Charbonnet. So Ryan, you're gonna to have to break the tie here. Does he go before or after Charbonnet and before or after Mims?
2: Yeah, I'm going to side with Matt on this one. I would actually consider uh, even putting Tajay Spears ahead of him, uh, but uh, yeah, I'll go. I'll go with Matt after Mims. so that would put him in 11 overall right now.
0: Oh boy, I thought I was the the captain of the Tajay Spears fan club. I guess not. <laughs> Ryan's going to take <laughs> over that that role. Uh, let's he, he was uh, let's switch over to the let's talk talk about the wide receiver position and get to Zay Flowers. Ryan, I, when we were there, we heard Zay Flowers talk. We watched him work out, and I think he was the biggest uh, mover for me in the at the NFL Combine. Those pictures of him that hit social media leading up to the Combine, he was all ripped up and looking like looking like a star. He showed it on the field. He showed it with his moxie at the podium. He was so much fun to go back and watch again. Now knowing that he added those thirteen pounds of muscle. He's preparing himself to be an NFL wide receiver and really an NFL uh, playmaker, right? That's how, I think that's how, what he characterized himself as.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Zay Flowers moved up for NFL uh, GMs, I think, over the weekend, last weekend. And he certainly moved up for me.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think he was a clear winner as well. Um, you look at his, I mean, he he really put himself in position to be a late first rounder in the NFL draft. Uh, and, and those pictures, you know, those didn't hit social media on accident. That was, that (laughs) was well-timed by his, uh, his team that right before the combine really kicked off, uh, everybody in in that NFL draft and and fantasy community were, were were talking about uh, Zay Flowers and how impressive that work was. And, and he carried forward. It wasn't just, uh, you know, it wasn't just some pictures that, that looked good, but he was impressive in his, in his interviews. He uh, performed well in the drills, really all around, as you said, one of the big winners, and uh, there's there's a lot to like about Zay Flowers. Uh, you look at his dynasty ranking and ADP. Looks like he's pretty well locked in as the wide receiver four in the rookie class. That's where he is both in our rankings and in ADP. This guy's going to be a mid-first-round pick in those one-quarterback drafts and, and a late first-rounder in Superflex. I... I just
0: liked him as a person. I like him as a player. I went back and watched him again in preparation for this, Matt. And we all talked about his film at Boston college as being, yeah, that offense and all oh, he's kind of short and he doesn't have the size and, and all these things. And honestly, all the things that I was concerned about, maybe outside of, of his propensity to put the ball on the ground every now and then he drops a few passes. And does. yeah, we, we see that with every college receiver, but, he measured in at 5'9 182 which was bigger than we expected. He his workout was incredible. He added all that weight and still ran that 442 um and honestly when I see him watch him on film, I think of him as the player among all these wide receivers and we get excited about all all three of those top 3 guys. I think Zay Zay Flowers might be pretty close to to that third spot. Honestly, He's a guy that works all three levels. He can catch that bubble screen and make a big play. He'll work it down the field, and he works the middle of the field as well as anybody in this class. I, honestly, we mentioned he's, he's moving up. Is there a chance he could get into that top three, uh, depending on where he lands and who, who drafts him and how high?
1: Yeah, I I think it's maybe possible. I, I just it's it's all gonna. I think it all depends on Quinn Johnson and, and where he goes because he's the only one among these top guys, top six, seven guys that that really has the size to be that prototypical number one, right? So it's just do you value these smaller guys with with maybe a better uh, production profile, a uh, better athletic profile, uh you know, or, or I should say more well-rounded athletic profile, or do you want the size sure. that the Johnston? Uh, really offers there. But you're, you're like you said, John, excuse me, Flowers, he can do it all. It's versatility and route running with this guy. He runs a complete route tray, he went, runs at all three levels with a feel. Um, I, I specifically, one of my favorite plays of him is against Louisville where he's basically being bracketed by a corner and a safety and he presses the corner out wide, uh, gets that guy moving the opposite direction, just cuts back against the safety and has, and makes a leaping catch over the safety, uh, for the cut to the touchdown. So he can do it all. Like you said, you mentioned he has weird, has weird drops sometimes. Uh, he also, I feel like it is not as, not as good necessarily in zone coverage. Sometimes he, he picks a spot to sit that's often close to the defender, um, but that's, I think that's stuff that could be coached out of him. It's just, it, it, where is he going to play? He's, he feels like natural slot, uh, but, you know, his first two seasons, he played mostly outside, only 33% of his routes from the slot uh, last season. So it's almost like he profiles as an outside guy, but he has the size and, uh, you know, I guess more NFL uh, profile for a slot receiver. So he'll, he'll he's an interesting player. And I, I think you can't get ahead of Johnston. It's just, it's going to be, I, I think it's, these guys are all going to separate via draft capital and they're kind of all one in one group for me. I have, I have Addison and uh, JSN clearly ahead of the next, the tier. And then this guy, Zay Flowers is in it with the rest of them.
2: Well, I think we're okay. seeing more, you know, I think we're seeing more, um, more slots being used as, as uh, deep targets as well. Yeah, and that's absolutely. really what we see with Zay Flowers. So maybe that's, you know maybe that's where the uh confusion comes in on on where his best uh spot to play is but he can still be a deep threat from yeah. the slot position because as i said that's that's one of the trends that we're seeing really in college and in the NFL so uh i think he fits that mold it feels to me Ryan you you mentioned
0: maybe he slides into the end of the first round he's locked in as a top 50 pick and we've seen plenty of wide receivers picked early in the first half of the second round of the NFL draft turn into star players in fantasy, right? And and relatively early in their careers now, this is happening year in and year out. He feels like the guy that's going to make that transition for me. Um, personally, I have him as my fourth receiver, just one mm-hmm. spot behind Quentin Johnston in my overall ranks. I have him at nine overall. And I really feel like I want to move him up. It would, it would take either moving Jameer Gibbs down or Quentin Johnston down. And, I, you know, the reason I asked you that, Matt, is because I could see it happening where Johnston finds the landing spot that we're not all that fond of. Maybe Zay Flowers gets that, that coaching staff that's ultra creative and knows how to get yeah. players like him the ball as a weapon. I could see him moving up significantly even. And I already have him at nine. I'm really excited about his upside and if I'm a playoff team in a fantasy league and I see Zay flowers towards the end of the first round, I'm snapping him up real quick.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I so find it. Rank him? Oh, go ahead. No, I was just saying, I find it really difficult to separate him from downs. A guy, Josh downs, a guy we haven't talked about yet from, uh, Marvin Mims, who we talked about last week, I believe. Just this group for me is just so close. Like it's it finds it's I find I've been finding it difficult to separate them at all. In terms of where we have them, uh have them in our current rankings amongst the players we have. I would have them just below Mims, honestly, but I'd also have uh Quentin Johnson and Will Levis a little bit lower. So somewhere in that seven to to ten range, I would say for me. Um, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm pretty open to where you guys would want to put them there, but for me, it'll be behind Mims.
0: Mim, Mims is at 10 currently, uh, in mm-hmm. our updated rankings, as far as where we've been here, Ryan, where are you going to place him?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm like you, Dan. I thought I was leading the charge on, on Marvin Mims as the top guy. So maybe, maybe Matt's claiming my spot there because, uh, <laughs> I would rather have, uh, Zay Flowers right, uh, right after Will Levis between Levis and Charbonnet. Um, and yeah, I can live with that
0: for sure. I actually have flowers right in front of Will Levis. So I think, I think where you had him there, Ryan is a good compromise between the yeah. three of us. We'll, we'll play some right after Will Levis, which puts him at nine overall among the players that we've covered to this point. We got one more guy to cover before we get out of here. And that's tight end from Oregon state, Luke Musgrave, Uh Matt, we didn't get to see a lot of Musgrave this past season. We wanted to see him on the field, of course, suffered that injury, uh, only played a couple of games and he, but he brings uh, a pretty exciting um, mix, I would say of big play potential um, along with like underneath Moxie to be able to, to find space and become a big target for his quarterback. He seems like the, almost prototypical old fashioned type tight end that you wanted some athleticism in your guy that had, uh, had, had a, had a good football mind and knew how to uncover underneath. I like the upside here with Musgrave. What about him? Do you like the most?
1: Yeah, I like. I mean, his he, for me, it's all about the the vertical speed, which is not something you you often get from tight ends. Although with this class, we're we're getting a lot more of a, a lot more of that, that, that with the yeah, full of athletic tight ends of this class. So it's very exciting. Um, I do think he's in that that kind of top group along with uh, Mayor and Washington. Um, I'm missing a couple of names there. I think you um, uh, can put school, school, maker in there. You can put. Uh, um, there's, there's just, a, it's just a handful of guys, I think, at the top that it's very difficult to separate. So for him, the injury is, is obviously a little bit of a, a concern, but he's obviously out there doing all the drills at the combine, ran really well. Uh, he's, I feel like he's a little bit of a tight, kind of a tight athlete if that makes any sense like he doesn't have a ton of wiggle uh in his routes, so he's he's best going to be used on those vertical routes and kind of coming across the field i think and then as a as a you know a traditional inline tight end i think he can do that too he blocks really well uh from a strength perspective uh and and technical perspective so he's a he's a great prospect i think he's right at the the, t- the mix of the top uh tight ends in the class
2: yeah i think it was dalton kincaid was the other name you were yes team uh, you were trying Kins, to yes. come up with yes. there and those four are are tightly packed right now. Um, Washington, Kincaid, Mayer, and Luke Musgrave. You look at uh, grinding the mocks where we get that average uh, mock draft ADP. Musgrave is projected to be um, a, a top 10 pick in the second round, so a, a top 50 pick overall. He is projected to be the tight end four, but honestly, I think uh, we've kind of said it with the quarterbacks. These four tight ends could go in, go in almost any order in the NFL draft and that's essentially going to be um you know possibly the order they go in in dynasty rookie drafts as well. All these guys, all four of those are likely second rounders for me in in uh both one quarterback and super flex leagues.
0: There's really two things that I always like to see when it, when I'm going to draft a tight end to my dynasty roster. And that is, you want that athleticism, right? You want the guy who can press the seam, he can go up above the rim and make the make the play on the football uh, around the goal line in the red zone. And then the other thing, I want the guy to be super competitive at the catch point. You know, the, the guy who, who out-muscles the ball, that killer instinct to go get it. And Musgrave has both of those things. Now, I mentioned that he's got it between the ears, too. He seems like the type of player that can find the hole in the zone. He knows how to work away from safeties and create that little bit of separation. You mentioned Matt, that he doesn't have a whole lot of wiggle and you know, I don't know if he needs it to be honest with you because yeah, he's the guy who can probably line up at all three positions for a tight end. He he can be your traditional inline guy. He'll move out to the slot and he can be that move tight end that moves, moves around the formation um he does get if there's a negative he gets rerouted pretty hard from time to time uh physical safeties especially those athletic physical safeties and he didn't see a lot of that in college he's going to see that in the nfl if teams want to take him away by getting really physical with him they can probably do that so maybe he's got to get a little bit stronger um to to kind of counteract that um linebackers also when he's running that crossing route that you mentioned there matt we saw it time and time again coming across the middle out of traditional inline and he gets bumped by that safe or that linebacker in the middle of the field and he gets rerouted big time he ends up back at the line of scrimmage and you can't really have that at the next level because uh, you're going to get that kind of that kind of contact at that at that level i do think you guys are right right in the range though he could he could be the tight end one by the time the draft uh finishes up in this class and you know, it really comes down to what kind of upside you see. Most of these tight ends are probably going to be in the second round in super flex leagues, right? Is there any is there any path? Is there any landing spot that we suddenly say, wait a minute, this guy could be maybe a top twelve pick, maybe not in superflex, but in in single quarterback leagues? Is there a landing spot for one of these tight ends or or a, or a offense that we want to see in that that we would push him up that high? Uh,
1: I like Carolina. I, I, I like Carolina, but devoid of weapons. Athletic tight end, new rookie quarterback. Like that, that feels really good to me. The Packers have also. That would course, be an early second
0: high. round pick, too. Yeah, top top forty pick. Um, top forty one, I guess. I think it is. Uh, gosh, I couldn't. I couldn't pinpoint one. I tried to tried to place somebody in Cincinnati in that offense, and I don't know if that does it. I, you know, there there's a handful of quarterbacks that you say. Wow, I'd love a rookie tight end to play with that guy. Um I, I just don't know if that spot exists for me. Ryan, could you come up with any?
2: Well, I think there's some pretty clear landing spots to watch and, and maybe this changes, you know, it almost certainly does change coming up this week with free agency, uh, because there's a couple of nice veterans out there as well. But Cincinnati, as you mentioned, Green Bay, uh, it would be a great landing spot. Miami would be interesting for yep. sure. Um The Jets? the jets, jets might be a good spot yeah the jets maybe detroit uh would oh, be would be a good one spot. as well so yeah. I, I don't think i just I don't, don't think it pushes them into ends. the top 12 not it, not it for doesn't me quite no. do that
0: much so let's rank musgrave here um we we have our group of tight ends down here starting at 16 overall among the players we've talked about on the show Darnell Washington at 16 Dalton Kincaid at 17 and Michael Mayer at 18 Matt where do you want to place uh Musgrave
1: I, I mean I kind of want to put him at just ahead of Mayer. it feels weird to put Mayer as four but I think clearly not that he's not athletic but he's clearly the least athletic of of, of these these really athletic tight ends right so that's kind of where I would put him, but anywhere in this range, even after mayor, I think it would be fine.
2: Yeah, I would have him after mayor. Um, I really we got we got a uh, Izzy Abana Kanda down there. I really like him, but that's probably for another uh, for another conversation. But I, I do think Musgrave is fourth uh, among the tight ends right now. Uh he's he's the tight end four in our rankings, he's the tight end four in our rookie ADP. And as I already said, he's the tight end four over on uh, grinding the mock. So every, everybody seems to be in agreement on this one, except Matt. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with, weird, you. Weird, I'm with right? you on it as
0: well. I have Mayer at 23 in my rankings, right behind uh, Kincaid and then Washington at 21. Musgrave just a couple spots behind that at 26 in my Superflex rankings. Again, these might change. Uh, we're going to, he's going to be at 19 right now. Uh, so far we've, we've covered 27 rookies. We'll get three more again next week. Um, and we're just going to keep, 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 hammering through all these rookies try to get through as many as we can before the NFL draft, which is only, uh, what a month and a half away, guys, we're going to be hanging out and watching it together and and realizing, uh, what dopes we are for ranking these guys so high or (laughs) or keeping them so low in our rankings, but we'll be here for it all. Uh, I hope you join us with, uh, to talk about all of it as well for Matt and Ryan. I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to this episode of the DLF dynasty podcast. We'll catch you again next week. Thank you for listening to the DLF Dynasty podcast. Please remember to rate and review and subscribe wherever you get your podcast.